Welcome into the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Overtime coming at you for the next two hours right here on Fan Run Radio. Jake Miller, Davis Rangy, producer Matthew, Bryson. Going to break down a little bit of what happened on Saturday afternoon. Tennessee falls to Kentucky by a score of 63-56, to 56, a game in which Tennessee only shot 14.3% from three, going three of 21. What in the world happened on Saturday? And I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way. We're going to talk about these missed layups. The second easiest shot in basketball. I want to break down the construction of a basketball goal. Okay, you got your backboard, right? That's the big square. You got the rim. That's the thing the basketball goes through, touches the net. There's a little square right behind this rim. It's not there just to be there. The reason that you have that square there, when you're shooting a layup, you want to hit the ball at or around the tip of the square. You want to hit it on one of those two top corners, depending on which side you're on. That square is there for a reason. Zakai Ziegler missing three. Josiah Jordan-James missing one. Just what in the world? Somebody help me out. Like, I'm... I can't even think about it, to be honest with so, you. I've got a lot of thoughts. I'm just going to go ahead and put them all out there. Well, they're they're going to be a bit scrambled, but I'm just going to go at it. So, first of all, I want to say Friday, you know, you and Bryson were all confident, and I think me and producer Matthew were a little at our doubts, and I didn't get to catch the first about 15 minutes of the game. I turn it on, and we're down 10. And I'm like, yep, every single thing that – I predicted Friday they would get confident. They would start playing for each other. They go in there with a nothing-to-lose mentality, and that's exactly what happened. And it's something that we've been harping on all year, but we don't have a guy that can create a shot. We don't have anybody that can go in there and break down the defense, create an open shot for anybody, get his own shot. And if you really look at the lineup for Kentucky that killed us, the lineup of Kaysen Wallace, Shebway, um, the, at the transfer from St. Joseph, um, Jacob Toppin and C.J. Frederick, that lineup is really a killer because they can switch one through four. Shebway's the only one that can't switch from a big to a guard, and that's the one that really killed us. That's the one who closed the game and the last six minutes of the second half, and they took the lead in the first half. And when you have a team that shoots three for 21 from three uh, – <laughs> That's not going to help you in any – like, you're not going to win any kind of game. At not what at point time. do you stop shooting it? That's my question. A, when do you that, stop well, shooting it? My, my thing is, from now on, if I'm an opposing coach, I'm just going to pack – I'm just going to pack the crap out of the paint. I'm going to pack the paint like crazy. I'm going to force you to shoot three until you make it. And I think Kentucky has given everyone the blueprint so far on how to guard us, what the kind of personnel you need. And I think that's very worrisome. Um you know, I expected with Tyree Key, the transfer, I expected him to come in here and really shoot the crap out of the ball and give us that three-point presence that we were really missing during the Michigan game. But so far, he really hasn't lived up to expectations. And that comes back to the fact that we really don't have a true point guard. Phil has said it all year. We've said it all year. And now you have Ziegler, who really is a point guard, but he has knee problems. And like you said, he's having trouble finishing right now. So... I, although overall, my last point, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button just yet. I think that's only the second loss of the year, first loss since Colorado. But I do think down the stretch, 
Um, that was the absolute typical Rick Barnes March game Saturday afternoon. And if you can't figure out some three-point shooting from here on out or a true point guard, um, you're going to be in trouble when it really matters. We're already in trouble. I mean, that's the thing is, like, we're in conference play now. We're already in trouble. And conference play has just started. And, you know, something else to bring up that I forgot to was Santiago Vescovi. I think we had a four-on-two or four-on-one situation down the stretch. And he just pulls up and shoots a three. Do you know what would have happened to me if I had done that in the middle of a basketball game when I still played? Do you know what would have happened? I would have got chewed out so bad that I'd be sitting on the bench crying. And it wouldn't stop. I would hear about that until the next game we played. Here's the thing, though. That you were up, you're up one at that point. If Vescovi hits that three, place goes insane. You're up four, and I think you really that you know Kentucky's been a team that's been weak minded all year. You go up four in that situation, place is going bonkers. I think you run them out of the gym at that point. And once he missed that three, and they go back down, I think they scored going back in transition. But that was really the game right there, that one shot. But you, you got to live and learn. I'm okay with Vescovi doing that. That's back to like his freshman year flair that we saw that Rick Barnes kind of coached out of him and broke out a little bit. Bryce, yeah, I agree with that. I don't, ahead, I don't hate the shot there. Um, I mean, as we're talking about the guy who doesn't can't, we all have a guy who can't get the shot. You know, we thought, well, I didn't think this, but some people thought, you know, you're all American senior, just like Jordan James, we able to do that. And then he misses a layup when he can just easily dunk the ball on Saturday. So, I mean, you would think you get some senior leadership out of this team, but you really don't have any leadership when it comes to down the stretch. Yeah, Davis and Matthew, um, y'all were exactly right on Friday. I don't know why I was on such a, a high horse putting any faith in a Rick Barnes coach team. But um, my thoughts are kind of scrambled as well. Uh, first things first, Euros had a, a good offensive game, but he had three rebounds and one was defensive and – that, to me, was was a huge red flag, especially come March. Um, and another thing was, um, obviously not uh, Tennessee-related, but uh, everybody in the stadium for sure know, knew, and I'm sure everybody watching on TV for sure knew that Pat Adams was officiating that game, and he wanted to make that very clear from tip-off. Um, and that's, I mean, you saw the free-throw difference. and um, Made it all about him. All about him, per, per usual. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think our biggest problem right now is we don't have a, a go-to score on the offensive end. And I think, honestly, if I had to pick one right now, who they think it is, it's Olivier. And that's just – that's not going to work. I need somebody to get Julian going. And what did he have on Saturday? He he had like three Nothing. shots, I feel like. I mean – He was he had like four points. He was, char- he was absolutely charm and soft on Saturday. Had a triple yeah. single. The very, for- the very first play in the second half – um, Jay Billis, who I hate now, and the other guy. Um, Jay they said Rick Barnes said, "Yeah, but this, Rick Barnes said we need need to be more aggressive on the glass." What does he do? He just a ball bounces right in front of him. I'm pretty sure Sheway picks it up and he fouls. Like get out of the game now. And real quick, going back to Bryce's point, Euros. I mean, we got to give credit where credit's due. Euros played the best game he's ever played as a Tennessee Volunteer Saturday afternoon. But that being said, if Euros is your leading scorer, you will not win that game. Oh, you got problems. Yeah, I agree. You got problems. If Euros Plovsic is your leading scorer, that's more than evident. Olivier was one for three. He thought he shot three shots all game. I, I don't know what that's about. Um, 
Was he in foul trouble? Because I never, I, I mean, I, I didn't really see him on the court much. I know Julian was, and that's why I, I haven't knocked on him too hard, other Tom, than you know. But Tomah had three fouls Saturday. Yeah. So not really. So he played 17 minutes. So I don't know. Yeah, well, and uh, Julian Phillips has really disappeared. Also, two points, four fouls, three rebounds. I mean, had two more points than me. I, I feel like we're at a crossroads right now. I, and you know, I really I expect Phillips to because. Man, we're really clicking and playing great ball. It's when you have Kumwa playing well, Phillips playing well, Ziegler off the bench. And so far, we really haven't had a combination of Kumwa, Julian, Ziegler, and Josiah playing well all together. Like, no, we, that hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't. Let's go right to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines, and let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. He's called a gloat. TJ, the Kentucky fan, you're up first. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, long time no see. You've been busy. Uh, about to head out here in a bit. Uh, you know, look, I'm not calling the gloat. Um, I would. I, call, I would. I, no, I'm. I'm not that kind of guy, man. I. I call when we lose. I call when we win. You know, I mean. How you do that? Uh, but here's the thing. I, it's not. I hear a lot of Tennessee fans. Pat Adams. Pat Adams. Pat. Pat Adams has thrown out Calipari like three or four times. Pat exactly, because he wants to make it all about him. He needs the pub. You're right. But if you look at the shot difference, Kentucky was more aggressive than Tennessee, and that's where you get your free throw differential. And, yep. you know, here's the thing. This rivalry is set up weird. I mean, come on. Jody Meek scoring 54 at Thompson Bowling. Uh, Chris Lofton scoring 40-something at Rupp. We always go back and forth, and the away team most of the time wins, which is crazy. I would not doubt at all Tennessee getting a eight-point win and rough here in a couple of weeks. It very well could happen, TJ. And I mean, you you make a good point. This game just brings out the best in some people that you just you don't expect it out of a lot of times. Now, granted, Chris Loft and Jody Meeks; those are two high-caliber players at the collegiate level. But um, you know. Uh, well, Here's the thing, too. I had no clue you Roche was going to throw up 19. If he averaged, I think what he averages, I don't, I don't know what he averages. He averages he a triple up, single is what he averages. Well, if he Five averages, points. if he scored what he averages, Tennessee wins or Kentucky wins that game by 17. So you yeah. Roche played out of his mind. That and he did. I mean, that. I don't think, like, I, sorry, my bad. I don't, I don't think you can. You can't blame the game Saturday on officiating, and you've got to give credit to Kentucky. They were being aggressive, like TJ said. They made their free throws. They have not made their free throws all year. They went 22 for 25 from the line, which was super impressive. Well, yeah, and to counter that, I mean, like you said, against South Carolina, if we make our free throws, if we only miss three, we win that game. And I think that was the turning point of Kentucky basketball this year that South Carolina loss, because that was just downright embarrassing. Let's not, you know, let's not hide from the fact that that was probably besides St. Peter's and besides uh, Robert Morris in the NIT, Cal's third worst loss since he's been at Kentucky. And, you know, I think that woke the boys up. I mean, this is the way we should have been playing all season instead of losing games to Michigan State and Gonzaga by 30 and, you know, I I don't know. I think the South Carolina game was a turning point, and hopefully we see y'all in the tournament because I know y'all will be there, but hopefully we will. Y'all have a good night, man. 
Appreciate the phone call, TJ. Yeah, I mean, going back to the Pat Adams thing, you know, that wasn't necessarily all the calls that he made against Tennessee because, you know, I'm one of these guys, you know, you can't be full-blown like I'm going to call every foul that I see or can't be full-blown just let the kids play, don't hardly call anything unless it's too obvious. you got to find that happy medium. And the thing is, Pat is going to make it all about him because there were some bad calls against Tennessee. There were also some bad calls against Kentucky. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. That I, I think uh, yeah. a good comparison is Pat Adams is to Mark Curtis of college football, just a terrible referee overall that tries to make it about himself instead of the kids on the team in the game. Well, I mean, that's like anytime you see Mark Curls as an official on a football field, you're guaranteed a close game. Whatever the spread is, take the underdog to cover in any game that he is ever officiating. Pat Adams, whoever is the underdog, take them to cover and the thing is we don't know who the referees are going to be until the day of because I think Vegas kind of gets worried if they do announce the officials because that's kind of a play that you make yeah um man I just I don't I don't think you can I think you just gotta I know you can't just go ahead and snap and clear but you got to remember this game, and I know they've watched this game probably five times already on film since Saturday. But you got to look forward. You got to go ahead because you just can't let this one thing bleed into tomorrow night at Mississippi State. That's going to be probably the biggest snooze fest game ever tomorrow night in Starkville. It's probably going to be boring, boring game to watch. But that's something you got to grind out, win like a close, like a sixty to fifty five type game. That's just something that you have to get done. You have to get over the Kentucky hangover and you gotta start getting ready for the rest of these games because then you travel to Baton Rouge Saturday and we've not won in Baton Rouge since Donnie Tindall was our head coach. So uh you gotta have a quick turnaround. Now if we go down to LSU and lose, uh, that's that's gonna that's be a turning point time. for me. Yeah, it's panic time at that point. When it comes time for, for March though, I mean when it comes down to games like that where we get put out of our rhythm after well davis we went up eight nothing i know you said you didn't catch we went up eight we started the game up on an 8-0 run uh when it comes time for march it seems like we just absolutely ditched our rotation that we've played all year once stuff started didn't start to go our way if you know what i'm saying no that's another thing yeah that's a great i want to bring that up also because i didn't see it live but i went back and watched it why why go why even sub at that point you're not don't make any subs you're up eight nothing. You're killing them on both sides of the floor. Don't make any subs until Cal makes subs. Or I mean, you got to stay consistent. You can't just see one thing. You can't. You can't just absolutely just try to get everybody in the game. Stick with rotation. Sometimes you got to adjust. And in that case, you adjust as a coach and you don't sub out the rotation that's doing great at that point. Well, that's my problem that I had with that is you know we were rolling at that point. It's like they're not scoring, but we are. You make those subs, and I think we went on a five minute scoring drought after that. Yeah, we scored eighteen the rest of the half. Yeah. After that yeah, yeah. I saw. I saw. I didn't get to catch like the first like timeout. It was the first four minutes of the game. Yeah, and that's and that whole. I saw Twitter like blowing up about that, about why Rick Barnes would sub up eight nothing stuff like that. So it doesn't make any sense to me why he would sub either. I just like I don't know. That's that's just gonna kill you more. I feel like he's just so stubborn in his ways. You know, he's, he's an older coach. His ego is he's so big that. He thinks doing certain substitute subs and having his substitution patterns one way is just gonna he's gonna stick with that no matter what. But you got to be able to adjust. Like why if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
Agreed 100%. Keep going with what's working. Let's go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Larry in Georgia is next. What do you say, Larry? What's going on, fellas? What's up? Welcome. Uh, or, uh, good to hear you guys from the uh, the land down under of Barking. Um, a couple of things on that game from Saturday. I was able to actually watch most of it, so it was kind of cool. Um, I'm with you guys. That substitution thing was, was weird. Like, even if you're going to sub out one guy, that, that's one thing. But didn't he bring in, like, three fresh new guys? Yes. That's just – that's – wow. I, I don't understand that. Um, I agree. You can't blame the game on, on the repping. However, I will say that there were a couple of calls. And, and you're right, Jake. There were calls – there were bad calls both ways. So, I get that. But there were a couple of calls that – Good Lord, man. Even even my wife looked at it and went, how is that not a foul? I mean, I think it was Vesco goes literally flying through the paint because he got hit in the back and goes fa- almost face first into the stanchion, and they didn't call anything. I yeah, he got shoved him, down. But, <laughs> right. Like, he just went flying. And, and, and you got to look at it and go, okay, that's not a flop. <laughs> you know, I've seen some pretty good flops. That was not a flop. But, again, you can't blame it all on, on – on the referees, it, it wasn't that. We just we crapped the bed, so that I mean it's on us. But um, question about Euros, mm-hmm. I don't understand. He had a great game as far as shooting the ball. But first of all, why does this? Why does he not get more rebounds? I, I don't know enough about him to, to to know. I haven't seen enough about enough games living down here to know. But also. When you're when you're 19 feet tall or whatever he is, why are you going up under the basket and laying it in? Why are you not dunking and drawing fouls? That's a great question. And you know, one of the things that we had talked about before the show, Bryson and I did, was the fact that his offensive game was so great, but his poor defensive play was the reason that Sheboy had. I think he had 15 points. 15, yeah. 15 yeah, and 13 and, and, rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy is, is massive. Like. Use your size. So, anyway, um, the only other thing I had really was just the uh, you know the whole Beavis thing. If we lose to if we lose to Beavis next year in football, I swear I'm going to jump off a bridge. Well, we got a perfectly good one here over on the hill. I'll jump with you. Uh, listen, man, we can't lose to that kid. We just can't. I'm no. sorry. We it just it, no. Anyway, fellas, have a great night. Keep up the great work, Jake. Great, great to hear you guys back on. And uh, go big freaking orange. Appreciate the phone call, Larry. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio on the way. Welcome back. Overtime continues and back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines we go. And I've been waiting on this one all day. Phil is next. What do you say, Philly? What do you say, Jack Snake? Bad basketball, Phil. <laughs> well, Rick Mars' uh, offense was beautiful, isn't it? Not cool, you know it. <laughs> well, I mean, good Lord. I mean, you had one of your panels said he's slow to change. Well, he's not going to change. Uh, He's setting his ways, and he's arrogant and condescending. And uh, and, uh, and players come here; they, they average twenty a game, and they leave here. Uh, but 
and then they go to another place, and they average 20 a game again. Rick Barnes is not a good offensive coach. No, he's not. And, you know, one of the things that we were just discussing during the break, I was debating on whether or not I should even talk about this, but it almost seems like when you come to Tennessee, your draft stock does not go up when you hmm. come to Tennessee. That's a, that's a excellent point, you know. I mean, you look at Kennedy Chandler, who was a projected first-round pick, obviously highest-paid second-rounder ever, but still he should have been a first-round pick. You look at Keon um, and Jaden. You look. Go ahead, Davis. The only – no, that's, I, I agree with your point. The only exception to that is Grant Williams. That's about it. Yeah. Out of the entire time he's been here. Yeah, I agree as well. Well, he's lived off Kevin Durant for about 20 years, hasn't he? Well, I mean, he still is. Kevin Durant still <laughs> tweeting about Rick Barnes. <laughs> I mean, he did rebuild the program, but once the the Grant and Admiral team uh, uh, choked in, in the tournament, uh, we've never been the same since. No, we've not. And, you know, he's got us out of the slump, but he's done all he can do. And the question is, it's like, yeah, we can get rid of him. And, you know, to a degree, I agree with the people that are saying that. But then the other side of me is saying, who do you go get? Yeah. That's the – one thing that's holding me back from going full-blown, let's fire Rick Barnes, is who are you actually going to go get that can come in here and actually get us to the mountaintop? Well, I don't think they're going to fire him, but uh, uh, Daniel White needs to be uh, researching. Uh, I mean, he did hire Nate Oates at uh, Buffalo when Daniel White was athletic director at, at the school. And you look at Alabama right now and look at the direction they're headed in. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're playing elite basketball, and we're playing uh, – Getting the tournament and choke uh, balls, what we're doing. I mean, that's no different than what we've done past however many years it's been, Phil. Yeah, and you're, you're all talking about no go to player. Uh, you can get you a bucket anytime you want to. We have no backup point guard. Ziggler's your point guard, and he don't start. And the whole damn thing's a, a damn economy show. I mean, it really is. You got a point guard sitting over there on the bench, you got Freddie DeLone coming in. It's like, oh, we're going to redshirt him. Well, if he can get you a bucket, you need to play him. Like That's what's bothering me about that, is if he can actually go out and score, he needs to be on the floor. Burn his redshirt. I don't give a damn about a redshirt. If he can get points, if he can put the ball in the hole, I want him to be playing on the floor. And Rick Barnes, he's been most successful when you've had two true point guards, one start, one come off the bench. You look at Jordan Bone and Lamonte Turner, those two usually close the game, both on the floor. Then last year you had uh, – Kennedy Chandler, and then you had Ziegler coming off the bench, and those two would usually close. So you can't just – right now you have no true point guard in the starting lineup. It's pretty pitiful to watch Tyreek Key try to play point guard. Because he's not a point guard. Exactly. Yeah. And he's slow as molasses on top of that. You're not wrong. Uh, where's our great three-point shooting who's going to bring to this uh, roster? I was going to bring back uh, Bailey back, you know what? Well, I mean <laughs> – <laughs> uh, Victor Bailey. Victor Bailey 50% clip at uh, uh, George Mason. Oh, man, isn't it's it amazing? What's going on? Uh, Phil, if I had an answer for you, I'd give it to you. That's the thing is I don't have an answer because I'm just watching the same ball game you're watching, and I'm getting more and more confused the more I watch. Well, he just uh, – I don't get it. I mean – it's just uh, he's got him a uh, recipe, and it's not working right now. And uh, 
It's like a bad spaghetti sauce, Phil. He's adding too much of the wrong ingredient. Victor Bailey is shooting 49% from three right now and averaging 13 points. He averaged 2.6 last year here, and now he's averaging 13. Makes you wonder. Oh, my God! Well, that's why we brought Victor Bailey in here, to shoot threes, and then you can't hit him. I don't know. Justin it's Powell, just, Phil. Let's talk about Justin Powell. Yeah. Well, there's another one. Drew Pember, look at him. <laughs> I can't play, and then he goes there. He's having what? Lead score in, the, in the, that conference? Let's bring up DJ Burns while we're at it. Oh, good. Uh, well, the Barnes reject uh, all-star team, you know what? Oh, man. Who do you think would win that game, our guys or the rejects? The rejects are probably booting him, you know. Well, at least they can shoot yeah, the ball. Gotta go rejects. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gotta go rejects as well. Have a leader on the court. Uh, who's the leader of this team? I don't know. They don't have one. I mean, Kenny Chandler was the leader of that team last year. They might say what they want to. I mean, that's how good he was. You're not wrong. I mean, that was a guy that commanded the offense. He did what he was supposed to do. And, I mean, he's the reason for the success last year, you know, finishing in the top five in the AP poll. But, you know, who's going to get you there this year? Yeah, we're number nine right now. I would say Ziegler's the heart of the team, but when you have Rick Barnes throwing him under the bus like he did after Colorado, I mean, that doesn't help your cause. Well, Ziegler's beat up right now, and he's playing way too many minutes. I mean, last year he he played, what, 25 minutes at 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 max? At most. I mean, you got to think, too, he's the one that led us an assist. On Saturday, he's one of the only guys that's able to dish the ball all over the floor. Well, I'll say this though: he did throw some good passes, and we and we brick brick the shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably should have finished uh, with ten. At least. What are we in that? What twenty-one percent from the three-point line? Uh, fourteen point three. Fourteen point three. Yeah, fourteen point three percent from the line. Three of twenty-one. It's even worse than I thought it was. That's uh, it's not good, Phil. And then we're going to bring in these four good recruits coming in. Uh, and what are they going to do? They have to learn Barnes' stupid system? Well, I guess oh, so. I told you a walk on Saturday. What was up there? That was mind-boggling. Couldn't get a rebound, and he's sitting on the bench. Yep. Meanwhile, Urosh has 19 points, but only three rebounds. And Cheeboy is eating mm-hmm. him up. Well, I, I don't know what to say. I'm about speechless now. I guess I'll get off here and hear everybody else complain. See you. See you, Phil. I've been waiting on that. Victor Victor Bailey. That was the name I did not expect to hear. (laughs) (laughs) When he dropped that stat, I I about lost it. That's why I had to push the mic away from my face and just scream. Tonight, he's averaging 13 points on 50% from three right now. you got to be kidding me. I'm so serious. And Justin Powell is averaging uh, 11 on 40% from three. And what was he averaging before he came here? 11, right? And what was he averaging last year? Like two, three points a game. And what is he averaging this year? Uh, It says Victor Bailey averaged 11 points for us and shot 34% from three during the COVID year. I must have just – Must have not watched. I must have been in a coma because I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. I feel like I remember there being a time where he missed like 25 shots in a row, or it was like three for 25 for a while. Oh, yeah, he went like three games and only had three buckets. 
Oh, the last thing I remember about Victor Bailey um, being a significant part of the team was against Alabama, the SC tournament. Um, you know, Devontae Gaines missed those two free throws. Then went to the um, bench and cried about it. Yeah, and then he cried. And then we have, we're have down three. Victor Bailey shoots an air ball, barely grazes the bottom of the net, and that was our magic play coming out of a timeout. What are we doing? And then the only, what, what was the, he had a tip in against somebody. That's the only, yeah, Texas. Yeah, Texas. Yeah, that's the only significant play I remember of Victor Bailey's career here. Oh. <laughs> that's hilarious. And we got out rebounded we got out rebounded by twenty on Saturday. Oh, we're well aware. Forty three to twenty three. Uh it's uh you know, just a classic Tennessee moment, man. Just you got the stage of the brightest, you got biggest game of the year, everybody's out. Jason Witten was even at the game, you got the stars are out and I want you no we'll stop and talk about that for a second. You had Chris Lofton, Allen Houston. Candace Parker, Jason Witten, I think Dale Ellis was in the building. They got to sit there. <laughs> they, they had to watch that trash. What do you think is going through their head? Chris Lofton, the SEC's all-time leading three-point shooter, had to sit there and watch that slop. Yeah, I uh, – man, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's definitely disappointing, but, you know, I usually we have – a ton of success in the regular season and we, we're still we're still a top 10 team but you know usually that's in a game i expect rick barnes to win in the regular season and usually i expect a performance like that around march beginning of the march uh march march 10th or whatever on my calendar so we're about two months ahead of schedule and i'm hoping that we just get that all out now instead of march but i don't think that's the case unfortunately well dude it's gonna be like lsu last year you down there, you lose when you shouldn't have. You got absolutely embarrassed down in Baton Rouge. Things all of a sudden just started going great when we started bashing Rick Barnes. So maybe us bashing Rick Barnes will turn everything around. I, I don't know. You know, either that or it's going to be like Bruce's last year after the barbecue fiasco, and we're just going to fall off the face of the earth. Or maybe we could just stop being soft and, you know, take a chance. And I just always wonder what would happen if we – fired Rick Barnes and actually do it and just trust in whoever Danny White's going to hire. I mean, this is not a, this is a much more desirable job now than it was than when Rick Barnes was hired. I mean, you've got the foundation is set. The facilities are amazing. The crowd support. I mean, the fans will show up. I heard the uh, environment was kind of mid Saturday, but that's another discussion. Um, But I mean, you've got it all laid out for you, man, here. It's uh I think it's a great job, and it's at a football at a school. Football. So you're, the attention's taken off of you by that also. So, I mean, it's up to Danny White, man. You going to make that jump or not? Davis, you brought up the uh, Victor Bailey, Alabama play out of a timeout. I was really upset when we didn't call a timeout with 31 seconds left down three with the ball uh, dri- dribbling down the court when I was at the game. And then after thinking about it, I'm actually really glad he didn't call a timeout because we've always been terrible out of timeouts, especially with X's and O's by Rick Barnes. So, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I was I was at that game, man, and I, I was there too. And I was I was sitting on behind the Tennessee basket, but you know we we're a million miles away because of COVID. So, uh, I just started dying laughing when uh, he airballed. So, Goodness. yeah, let's go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Daniel is next. What do you say, Daniel? 
How y'all doing this evening? Bad. Listen, listen. I hate losing to Kentucky more than anybody does. In this area where we live, Jake, you know, you know all too well that's all that there that there are up here. Um, but I, I, I've heard a lot of Kentucky fans no. talking, and the thing the, the thing that I keep going back to is. We let them win. I mean, they didn't win the game because they shot a worse shooting percentage than we did and then got to the line way more than we did, which, you know, uh, that that has a referee element there that we did not have on on, on that. But I just I, – I just – I feel like – I just don't know. I feel, I feel like we, we gifted them that game. If we, if we just showed up and made um, – <laughs> A handful more of the layups that Ziggler and uh, Triple J uh, missed, and we'd have won the game. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, not to mention, if you hit more than three three-pointers when you shoot 21 of them, you're going to win the game. And that that just bothers me, man. At some point, you have to stop shooting it. Yes, I understand the analytics tell you that the three ball is the best way to play the game. It gives you the best chance to win. However... If it's not working, you have to go down low. You got to go and take that mid-range two. Just anything. Because the three-point shot was not falling, and if it's not falling, you got to go to something else. You know, and I don't hear I don't hear this spoken of a lot, but I, I'm of the opinion that I hate our offense. And I think I think that – Oh, we're, we're well. Yeah, we're well we're right aware. With you, man. We're right there, man. <laughs> And the thing that I hate most about our offense is that you're talking right there that if our three shot, our three ball, and our three ball is predicated off of screens and our zone motion that we run, um, and if and if it's not there, I mean, then you have to go low, go down low, or you have to, or you have to make layups that we missed. And um, I don't know. I just um, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna get on Rick Barnes because. He wasn't. I mean, you got to make layups, and he's not. He's not the one make missing layups. He's not not getting to the free throw line. Um, I will say this much about Barnes: I, I do hate our offense, and I'll say, and and um, I just, I, I wish, I think Barnes needs to stick with developmental guys and leave the five star freshmen to, to people who are going to utilize them correctly. No, I agree a hundred percent, and that's why I made the comment that I made to Phil. It's like you know when you have. You know, five-star talent and their NBA first-round potential. They come here, man. Their draft stock is going to the crapper. I mean, let's call it like it is. Barnes has a has a has a top that he wants to play under his system. He wants hard-nosed defensive guys who can shoot the three, and I mean, and big punishing bigs. And like, and I'm okay with that. But let's quit with the facade that. Five stars want to play like that. They don't. They want to play. They want to run up and down the floor. And, I mean, they do want to defend. I mean, but the offense that they play is not the offense that we play. I mean, they want to be an open floor running and gunning and shooting threes. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how how it should be played. I mean, you look at the way Bruce Pearl, they run their offense. The way he ran it when it was here. We scored a lot of points when Bruce Pearl was here. We're not scoring a lot of points under Rick Barnes. And that's another thing that everyone keeps going back to with the whole, I miss Bruce Pearl, we should have hired Bruce Pearl back, is because it was a fun brand of basketball. Rick Barnes basketball, you know, as you mentioned, with the offense the way it is, it's not really an exciting brand of basketball. Not. Look at look at Nate Oates. Look at uh, 
Bruce Pearl, look at Eric Musselman, look how they play offense, and you look at any team that's gone deep in the tournament, they have multiple ways to score. You know, when the three ball's not falling, they can go mid-range, they can go inside, they can have somebody that can create a shot for you. And what else and, do those teams have in common? They've got a dominant big man, and they've got a true point guard. True point guard, yep. And I think, I think that, okay, and that, thank you for segueing into that. So here's, here's another, and I, I'm, I'm not I'm not. I'm not throwing off on Rick Barnes. I'm not. I mean, I am thankful that we have him because I would rather be in our situation than to than to miss the tournament every year. I'm. I'm glad we're going every year. I'm glad we're in contention. But here's another thing that I, I don't understand: Why is the Kai Ziegler getting starting guard minutes, but he's not starting? And why is and why is Tyreek Key having to be the primary ball handler, and he's rendered useless? He he is absolutely useless as a primary ball handler. I, I don't. I do. That's the one thing I don't get. I, I just. I don't understand why Zakai Ziegler gets starting guard minutes, but comes off the bench, and Tyree Key, it literally pro- provides you nothing in in his role when he's a when he has been proven to be an off guard shooter. That is a mystery that I don't think we'll ever know the answer to. I, I really don't. <clears throat> I mean, that's that's a couple of the things that I just don't understand about this. I I mean, the whole five-star and Rick Barnes thing, I think that's coming to fruition. Uh, But I don't understand the Kai Ziggler getting starting guard minutes and not starting when I think Tyreek Hill would be be best suited to be the off-guard guy. I mean, the thing is, Tyreek Hill, and Phil said it all along, he's not a true point guard. That's the problem that we're running into there is he is not a true point guard. Zakai Ziegler's a point guard, but you also have to have somebody else other than Zakai Ziegler, and you have him sitting over there yeah. on the bench if you just play him. I just and, and if and if Tyreek Key is your backup point guard, because he is, and that's fine, I'm okay with that. But why is he getting? It's just like the role should be flipped, and I don't know. Um, I just and it's been said. I don't. I did. I didn't understand the the substitution there when we were up eight zero and. Why? Why wouldn't wait to the to the media timeout? Um, this didn't seem like we just had the energy for that game. And, it, and listen, Kentucky needed to win that game, right? They had to have that game. They right. were already on a skid, and they had to win that game. Um, I think we'll bounce back. You know, it just sucks to lose that game, but I think we'll bounce back. But March is yet to be determined, and that's what this is all built upon. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow night's game. I think it's a good chance to bounce back. I think we will shoot the ball better. So, you know, it is. But that one, this game next Saturday, this one Saturday with LSU, that's the thorn in our side. we got to get that game. we got to get back on track. Uh, you boys have a good night and go balls. Yes, sir. Thank you, Daniel. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio coming up. Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio, and back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines we go. Connor is next. What do you say, Connor? What's up, guys? Uh, Nothing good. Yeah, well, it's about to be worse because I'm calling to complain, too. Well, I mean, that's why we're here. Well, first of all, I am tired of going to every game, watching the same Rick Barnes offense every game. The game of basketball has surpassed him. So far that it's not even funny. I don't know who thinks that you can play this game and throw it into the paint 
85 times out of 100 down the court and expect to win a basketball game anymore. Casual I mean, fans. 56 points is ridiculous. Jody Wright at Fulton High School, anybody from the area or knows Knoxville, knows Jody Wright, legendary high school basketball coach, multiple state championships. He can get more than 56 points out of this Tennessee team if he started coaching tomorrow. I mean, 56 points is horrible. I mean, call Matt Housley at Clinton. Call Mike Reynolds at Jellico. Call I mean, somebody. Anybody. And, like, I've, I mean, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Vescovi and Josiah James are not – they cannot be your star players. We need them to so bad but they just cannot. They have proved that time and time again, and if anyone thinks differently or thinks that they're going to be within this season, then they're just they're insane because they're bah. expecting results. Bah. That's the I kind mean, of people. Bah. It's awful. Yeah. You're just I a mean, chop if you believe that. that so. and apparently, <laughs> like if you get on the Facebook pages and the message boards, some of them at least, um, if you go against anything that your team does, if you complain the first bit, you're considered a fair weather fan. You're you need considered to leave. a, a bandwagon. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You can be critical of your team. You don't have to agree with everything they're doing. You can make complaints. You can point out things that are going wrong with your team and still be a fan. Man. No, no, Jake. That makes you a hater. Yeah, you we're, yeah, you're a hater. You're, you're a, hater. a hater, Jake. Oh, hater. Call me what it is. I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah, nobody wants People to hear can't handle the truth now, man. It's yep. ridiculous. No. I'll say I'll say this. The Rick Barnes offense, me and Davis talked about this. I, I, don't, I don't need to see any more pin downs. I've seen pin downs for four seasons now, man. The pin downs no. don't work. Pin downs, floppy action. I'm tired of seeing the same damn offense. It's so yeah. boring. It's ridiculous. You got the big always catch at the top of the key. About to crap his pants. He doesn't know what to do with the ball. He's just looking, looking, looking. You've never even had a big that ever looks to attack from the top of the key. It's I'm tired of looking at it. It's, it's it hurts my eyes. I am tired of tired of the double horns action to a pin down for Viscovi three. It's ridiculous. However, if you would have told me three years ago that a Rick Barnes team would be shooting twenty to twenty five threes a game, I'd have called you crazy. So I will say he we we've at least started to shoot a little bit more. But we can't make we it. can't make them. Yeah, granted, we can't but. make them. <laughs> the problem. Well, the problem I think is, is everyone knows. Vescovi's going to be our three-point shooter. If they clamp him up, they know that we don't have enough guys left who are going to go out there and knock threes down or hit shots when we need them the most. Just like everyone expected Tyreek Key to be a huge impact when we got him. I am sick and tired of watching him. He is just not good. I don't know how or why we recruited him, but right now he's been horrible. If the University of Tennessee would put me on scholarship tomorrow, I promise you I could do the exact same thing that he's done right now. What do you have? Uh, five points? Tyreek Key? Yeah. yeah. He had uh, – give me a second. How tall are you, Connor? About 5'10". He's about my size. He had uh, seven points on two for six from the field, one for four from three, and grand total of one rebound. Yeah, point. Goodness. I, mean, I know I, I know the type of guys that Rick Barnes, he wants to recruit those guys that are going to be scrappy and tough guys and are willing to go in there and battle, but – I mean, Saturday, we did not do that at all. They just out-battled us, out-worked us all game. Jonas Adu 
got outworked and outbattled by a dude in the post who came off the bench for Kentucky who was easily 50 pounds lighter and three inches shorter and just got absolutely manhandled in the post. And they wouldn't even allow Jonas to get the ball. It was just um, bad all around, man. Let's call they it. brought up on the drive earlier today um, that it looked like we were dead leg. We were tired. Like Rick Barnes just absolutely ran him into the ground after giving up 68 to Vandy and was pissed and basically tore him down all week. And, I mean, he's not going to change it, but I don't think that's the best way to do things before a big rivalry game where you need your guys fresh and ready to play because Kentucky sure looked like they were ready. Well, my other big problem with Rick Barnes right now is, and I got people arguing me on Twitter about if Euros is going to be our main scorer, that he can do that. First of all, if Euros gets 20 points a game from here on out and becomes a monster, we won't win another game. I'll say that because people think that he's going to be our main scorer. They obviously did not watch the Kentucky team last year. Oscar Sheebway won player of the year, and he still wasn't enough to keep them safe from a first-round exit. No. I mean, that's the thing is if Uros is your leading scorer, you got problems. You got big <laughs> Major problems. problems. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's call it like it is. He's not that good. And I mean, Granted, you know, he did have 19. I understand that. But he's not going to be that guy that's going to be able to carry you all year long. That's what you need a two-guard or a three-guard to do. you yeah, got to have that point guard, and you got to have that dominant big man. Of that, Rick Barnes, for whatever reason, he will not he will not call an offensive set or offensive plays. When we come down on the offensive end, he's setting on the bench. I don't know what it is if he just lacks in that department, but if, if our fan base is fine with – getting eliminated in the second round for until Rick Barn retires and having great regular seasons, then that's fine. But if we want to jump up there and make Final Fours and make deep runs, then Rick Barnes is not going to get it done because he just shows that he is unwilling to adapt to the new style of basketball that's being played. You're not wrong, man. Connor, you got anything else for us, buddy? Uh, Yeah, actually, last thing, I just want to say that was the worst fan base I've ever seen. I sat on the second row. Nobody stood up. And we can either solve this problem by either paying Nate Oates or Eric Musselman a bag, or our fan base is not going to like this and we won't do it. We can get a discount right now and go get Chris Beard and solve all this. <laughs> Appreciate the phone call, Connor. <laughs> 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 Woo! <laughs> I like his headspace. I like his headspace. Yep. Well, I want is that is that the same guy that said Kyle yeah. Kuzma couldn't hey. get. Point. Yeah, by the way, by the way, Connor, for still on the phone, Kuzma had 40, buddy. He had 40 yeah, Friday night, doubled his 20-point total. So, calm down with the casual Kuzma take. Yeah. <laughs> I, need, I need a formal apology to Kyle Kuzma on Twitter. Oh, my goodness. That's going to do it for hour number one. What an hour. Stay with us. Hour number two coming up right here on Fan Run Radio.